Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. It is another beautiful Friday. Some of you may be in the sunshine. Some of you may be in the warmth of that sunshine, and some of you may be enjoying all wrapped up in the cold weather. Matthew, how are you doing today? Well, happy Friday, everybody. Uh, yeah, big weekend this weekend. It's Super Bowl weekend. If you're into football, it seems like there's a lot more fans coming in uh, each year. Um, I'm kind of, I, lo- I love to watch it, but uh, it'll be a, it'll be a um, pretty good show, I'm sure. But I hope everybody's doing well and uh, looking forward to the show. So as, as you all know, um, in Strategies for Turbulent Times, you know, Matthew and I want to bring you content that helps build a better version of you and helps you get through whatever turbulent times you're in with real usable strategies. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm really uh, excited about today's guest. Uh, Sean Lesser. And before we bring him on, I just want to make uh, some comments and create some context here. So in the work that Matthew and I do uh, between the, uh, the emotional brilliance and the fearless leaders coach approach, we talk about high-performing people. And we know that they all use certain mental and emotional fitness processes uh, to excel. We know that in our own research and our our science-based approaches that when Matthew talks about fearless leaders or fearless climate or fearless teams, it's in an effort to reveal the high-performance psychological approach that we know successful people and high performers in particular used to create their personal brand of success and their ability um, to do what they do. And so they share their secrets with us. And there are lots of characteristics uh, of high performers. But we know that one particular piece of data is very important. It's at least 90 to 95% mental. And you talk to any Olympic world champion or NFL winning team or anybody who has been in a competition in a high stress or high threat environment, it's that mental process that creates the extraordinary value that allows people to adapt. So today we're going to talk to somebody who, having been that high performer, not in law enforcement, but in a high-stress environment, very comparable to what law enforcement feels like, but emotionally and physically feels like. And so I, I would love everybody to keep an open ear today for our guest. And I'm going to give him an introduction so you have some context here. So remember, this is not a law enforcement professional, but just like an Olympic athlete or a high performer in any industry, 
the information that he's going to share with us today is really applicable. And I particularly wanted Sean on the show because he and I were LinkedIn buddies, and I was really impressed with his authenticity, his daring vulnerability, and his mental success to be able to translate his experience. So I'm going to bring you on here, Sean, in a minute. I just want to give everybody a little bit of context. So um, Sean Messer isn't just a father um, and a seasoned business leader. Uh, He's also a survivor. His recent struggles with anxiety and depression took him through two treatment centers in early 2023, where he was nicknamed Shaky, and I guess he'll tell us more about that one. And instead of letting the experience defeat him, Sean used his inherent resilience and humor to overcome it. And here he is, right? It's 2024, people. This is not that long ago. So now he's committed to sharing his journey to inspire and help other men facing similar challenges. Now, I want to emphasize that. I know we have International Women's Day coming up in March. We're going to do a program on that. Yes, women can benefit from this. The difference is women ask for help, men don't. So just pause there for a second. I'm going to say that again. He's committed to sharing his journey to inspire and help other men facing similar challenges. Sean is the founder of The Real, capital R, capital E, capital A, capital L, Mental Health Foundation, which has a focused objective to significantly improve the health of men and their families, okay? Men and their families, because y'all affect everybody, right? Leveraging his own personal experiences, Sean aims to challenge societal norms, creative environments, and, and creating environments for open dialogue, and encourage authentic peer connection. The Real is set on building a global community to support men's mental health and well-being. And I don't know, we got some noise in the background there, but the initiative aims to make a ripple effect, positively impacting families and communities by transforming the mental health care conversation and its structure. Sean is channeling his hard-won battles into action showing that adversity can indeed lead to meaningful change. Sean, welcome to the show. We're going to keep it real today. Sean, yeah, sorry. We're uh, we're so for the audience that Kat and I are not in the same location, so we can't give the visual and audible cues on who's going to be next or who's going to ask a question or um, (laughs) be voluntold. So um, just bear with us on that, Sean. Um, But, yeah, I tell you what, I'm very intrigued. Uh, especially with everything that Kat shared with me. And, you know, we usually, uh, each episode, we do start it off with, you know, how did you get into your line of work and who was the most influential? But um, given an understanding what your unique, you know, and niche, um, very impressive career was, um, I'm, I'm very curious. How did you get into it and, uh, you know, who, who, who uh, was your mentor getting into there? So we're talking about uh, what what I did before on the finance side, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So maybe I just give a little background. So uh, kind of resume stuff. So uh, born in Brooklyn, grew up in Long Island, went to uh, Syracuse uh, University, 
Then I did 15 years. I did international institutional equity sales, which means selling stocks to banks overseas. And then in 2007, with a partner, we started the first impact investing investment bank, raising money for companies, raising more funds, doing different convenings, et cetera. But to go back to you know what got me into that business in finance, uh, it is kind of an interesting story. So when I was in college, I was extremely shy. I didn't like to speak in front of groups. And, and a, a good friend of mine, his father recommended that I go into uh, the Dale Carnegie courses. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those back in the day. So you're probably familiar with the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And then they would have uh, an in-person class where basically you'd have to get up every week and you'd have to speak. And that was that was challenging for me. Uh, but uh, after doing it for a while, I started to get you know pretty decent at it. And then uh, actually, I became like a teacher's assistant uh, in the Dale Carnegie course. And I went to Syracuse and I moved to New York City. So I was an assistant in New York City. And as being the assistant, what would happen is I'd be given different people that I'd have to coach. And it was kind of crazy because I was like, you know, 23. And they're like, okay, you have to coach this 40 or 50 year old person on speaking. And through that, I made a lot of great connections. Uh, so through that, I actually got my first job because it was one of the people, his name was Brian Greenstein, who I was his, his kind of like teacher's assistant. So it was, it was an interesting journey. So when you think about where you were and where you are now, obviously talk about some turbulent times. What, what led you to this experience? that you are now sharing with others. I mean, these are, you're translating a human experience that you had around uh, mental health into uh, a success story to help other people understand that this is not only real, um, but it goes pretty much, you know, to, to the point that I made earlier. Women will generally ask for help. Men don't. Can you tell us a little bit about the connections from your career to where you are now? Sure. And let me also just give a little bit more on the story of what happened, right? So you have the resume, and then you kind of have the story of what happened. I'll give you the short form. Uh, it was uh, September 22. I was depressed, having trouble eating, having trouble sleeping. Depression was growing. December 14th, had a full mental breakdown. Couldn't really – I was on a phone call. I was on a Zoom call. Couldn't really speak. And I was suicidal, telling my wife I don't want to be here anymore. Please freaking kill me. So most wives would want to hear that, but uh, so <laughs> my wife didn't. So went to uh, the emergency ward. From there, I went to the psych ward, which is an interesting place for sure. I didn't realize where I was going, but I was at the psych ward. Uh, then I had another gentleman who became kind of my mental health sponsor. Uh, so think of like Alcoholics Anonymous, you have a sponsor. He had been gone through a similar thing himself, so he was helping me through it. Then I went away to two treatment centers, mental health treatment centers, one in California, uh, one in Florida. And then I got back about five, six months ago, and uh, the, the, uh, the guy that was helping me, my mental health sponsor, me and him were talking on the phone. And we were like, you know, that was serious. That was real. And I was like, you know what? That was real. And that's what we're going to call it. We're going to call it the real. And then he said, you know, what is it? And to start, I said, of course, I said, I don't know. <laughs> but I know there's a lot of men, women, and families that are suffering. And I think we could help them. 
So to go back to your specific question, at that point, I kind of had to make a decision. You know, do I? Because most people, when you're in that situation, yeah, you feel like you got to hide in the corner. So I was like, do I lean into this really hard, or do I do some other type of work? And I was like, you know, you know, f it, I'm I'm leaning into this hard because there's certain things that I learned. Again, mental health is like a huge pie. I don't know everything. I'm not a, a therapist or anything like that. But there were certain things that I went through that I think could help other people, um, especially men, right? Men meet shoulder to shoulder. Women meet face to face. We're just a different animal. Both have struggles, uh, but they approach them differently. Thank you so much, John. And um, a couple things here. Um, you know, we talk about, especially I think it's pretty popular in uh, everybody's life as far as, um, you know, what's, what does left of bang look like and what does right of bang look like? And, uh, you know, Kat and I just got back from a, um, a crisis intervention um, certification on developing tools for the right of bang. Um, and given what uh, you just recently went through, uh, is there anything you'd like to share, um, you know, with left of bang kind of um, emotional intelligence um, you know, tips and tricks for those that are on the racetrack. So I don't know if you know, Sean, but um, I have an analogy. After my first psychologist, after being 20 years operational uh, in special warfare and special operations, um, second meeting I had with my first psychologist, it just popped in my head. I'm like, look, our brains are taking left-hand turns at a higher rate of speed. You know, we come into these careers that are very tasking <laughs> and you know, we have all the adrenaline and you know, successes, and next thing you know, um, you're running the risk of hitting that wall at turn four and turning that car from Lightning McQueen to Mater in a heartbeat. And what is it mm-hmm. that keeps us from hitting that wall at turn four? Mm-hmm. And it could be you know, mm-hmm. something that we didn't even see, you know, because we're moving so mm-hmm. quickly. It might be something out, out of our control, um, you know, having families now, something happens to them. Now, all of a sudden, we're upside down trying to figure out to support them, but also like uh, a lot of us, and especially in the military and law enforcement, we're dealing with suicidal thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. And just going back to that analogy, I mean, it's who is your pit stop crew? And, you know, I looked at it and I'm like, my pit stop crew was my family. Um, even though I didn't share any information, I didn't talk about the nature of my work, you know. I just came back and made sure everybody was fed and, you know, it, it mm-hmm. seemed to be happy and, and, and taking care of them. Um, but mm-hmm. truly, what does a pissed off crew look like to you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add two things to that because, you know, I'm not in the military. But another thing that happened to me uh, with my company is I got bought out of my company, right? And my company was my whole existence. It was my whole life. It was my whole identity. So when that was gone, it's like, who am I? Similar to someone might be in the military or a police officer or even an athlete, and once that, that, that kind of part of your life ends and you're used to doing that for so many years, and then you go, you know, especially guys, you know, who am I, right? What am I? I me, I've, I've had the suicidal ideations too. I'm like, I'm a loser. Who the hell am I now? You know, no one's calling me. My phone's not ringing. What am I? So I would say when you're going back to the, the question of the, the crew, uh, I think the most important person luckily for me, was my wife, right? She handled every single thing. You know, I was, when I was in a bad state, I was almost like a puppy. 
following her around the house. And uh, I couldn't really make uh, decisions. I think a therapist told me, you know, well, she said to me um, in one of the treatment centers, she said, it's like you're a fish and you're in a fishbowl and someone shook it really hard. <laughs> you don't know, you don't know which way is up. You're killing and can't make decisions. So it was my wife for sure. Uh, it was friends and they didn't have to do anything. They just had to come over or just spend time with you. And just knowing that other people are there is, is super important. I think that's also part of the, the foundation is, is having a community because I'll also say through this journey, I've had about 400 conversations and this is never one degree away from anybody. It's always half a degree or zero degrees away from everybody. You think, you know, people listening lots of times and I thought I was like, I'm the only one feeling like this, right? What the hell is wrong with me? But it's actually the exact opposite. I think I was at a 10. That's, that's a bad place. You don't want to get there. But everyone, uh, and, and what you're teaching with the show, everyone in your life, you, you get to a two, a four, a six, or an eight. That's just, that's just being alive. Hey, Sean, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to come back to this exact conversation. So hold that thought. Sure. Don't go away, everyone. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Please come back. We have some exercises and thoughts we'd like to share. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire. Educate impact and transcend magnusworks.com that's magnus w-o-r-x.com how can you be brilliant in the moment given the daily challenges you face at work and home how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses dr greenberg and dr nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple trusted evidence-based tips and tools they have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. We are having an intimate conversation with Sean Lesser on something he's passionate about, which is real mental health. He runs the Real Mental Health Foundation. And uh, Sean, what's the uh, website where people can take a look at what you guys are up to? Sure. It's thereal.care, C-A-R-E, thereal.care. Very nice. So when we we went to break, we were talking about where people are, where you were on this, you know, this this scale of one to ten, and you Mm -hmm. started off saying, you know, if 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 you're a ten, you know, obviously that's pretty bad. So just pick it up where you were. Sure, sure. I was saying that everyone in their life is, you know, I was at a ten. That's, yeah, you don't want to be there, and that's when you're going to need professional help, honestly, right? But everybody at some time in their life is a two or four or six and eight. That's just just being human uh, to me. So being in those places, a couple of things that I think are, you know, were helpful to me, you know, I'm actually, I'm probably, I'm doing great right now. I've never been better. Is just changing my my mindset. I think a big thing for me was, look at it like getting a new pair of glasses, right? Just looking at things differently. Not that so many things changed, but just looking at them from a different perspective. So a couple of things are, is one that, you know, you, you think you might not be complete, but you already are. Right. Another thing is I've spoken to, you know, I'm not a therapist, but trained therapist. And they say, you have something like I've heard 6,000, I have 30,000 heard 60,000 thoughts every day. I don't know how many the number is correct, but you have a lot of thoughts and those are a lot of rabbit holes. So you can't believe all those thoughts or you're running around rabbit holes all day long, right? And those those thoughts kind of come and go uh, like clouds. So you have to just look at these things uh, differently. I think another thing is yeah, we're always, everyone's looking for stuff, you know, we're looking for stuff outside to make us happy. And it's hard to realize this, but it's the truth. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm still working on these things, but peace is found uh, inside, not outside. So again, hard to do, but, and people will say that to you, but you just kind of, if you can repeat that in your mind, it's helpful. Another big thing for me um, was, and for a lot of folks, especially guys, uh, was the comparison, right? Which is uh, the comparison never ends where, you know, I'm 55 now. So for 50 plus years, I'm comparing myself to others uh, constantly. And that's never, I never really won that race. Right? So I uh, better not to even be in that comparison. You know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about, happiness traps. And in, in two of my books, we talk about uh, happiness traps. And one of the happiness traps is, uh, for example, the comparison game, because nobody wins. Mm-hmm. We talk about sure. wanting, wanting, 
you know, wanting whatever it is you want in that moment and getting so fixated on it that you wind up investing your time and energy in something that really doesn't provide the value you intended, which of course Mm -hmm. leads to facing the feelings of that failed process or why, Mm -hmm. you know, how many people on this call, uh, on this episode, listening right now, and Matthew, that includes you, how many of you are working to get that next promotion, to get that next raise, to get that next rank, to get that next recognition, to get that next pump at your gym workout and, you know, go up a few pounds in terms of your ability to press weight or endurance, right? Sometimes these things are good. Sometimes these things may not be as good for us as we think they are if they are detracting from our overall well-being. So what you're saying is very powerful, Sean. Tell us, um, if you would, a little bit about, now you said you went to two recovery, two different recovery programs. We don't need to do mm-hmm. about the programs, but how did you get through this so quickly? And that's what inspires me about your story. You know, a lot of people think, oh, my God, if I have to do a mental health, whatever, we're talking about, you know, my, my career's failed. I'm going to lose all my business. I'm going to have to take mm-hmm. all this time off to get better. You actually, you spiraled down in September. You went to two different treatment centers. Maybe you can talk about why there were two, and, and maybe that's a good thing, too, because if the first one didn't mm-hmm. have, to have everything you need, right, how did you find the second one? And then how did mm-hmm. you recover so quickly? What was, the, what was the, the magic sauce there? Sure. I'm not sure if there's a magic sauce, but uh, I actually was first at the, at the psych ward, and the psych ward is a place where you check in and, and, and let me go a little bit backwards. When we were going to the psych ward, I didn't realize what the psych ward was, nor did my wife. We just heard that this was a good place to go, take some time, etc. So I checked into the psych ward and I walked in, a lovely, late, a lovely woman there, like my second grade teacher, and you sign yourself in. I had, I had packed all my stuff. I had an eye mask and a sound machine for sleeping. So that first I signed myself in in one room, the next room when they take me to is basically there's a very nice police officer there and, an, and a nurse. And they're like, we have to search your bag. And I'm like, uh, okay. So, you know, no sound machine, no face mask, no strings on your pants, no book covers. It's basically a place so you don't hurt yourself, right? So, unfortunately, I don't think that's the right place that I should have been at, but it was it was almost like, I, one day I was, you know, working and running my company. The next day I'm in this, this, I'm not going to say prison, but, uh, the people were super nice, but it was just a strange, uh, experience to be in that, that situation for sure. Uh, and as soon as I got there, I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to be here. Um, so, and then I would also say that at the psych ward is not a place where you get better. It's almost like you, you're in a car accident, right? And then you go to the um, ICU and they stabilize you. And then you go to the next phase. So that's really what the, the psych ward is, just to kind of stabilize you. And then they, 
they let you out. They can't have you there forever. And then from there, I went to the two treatment centers, one in Weimar, California, and another one in Hollywood, Florida. Um, so your question was, why did I go to two? Or I'll give you a little background on them. Yeah, what, what was it about the two centers that allowed you to find this, this piece so quickly? So the first one was interesting. So um, I'm Jewish and my wife is a Seventh-day Adventist, which is an interesting mix, but it works well. And this was a okay. Seventh-day Adventist place. <laughs> yes, this was a Seventh-day Adventist place. And the Adventists are very into healthy living. Uh, food, you know, uh, uh, if people know about them, whatever. They're, they're very, they have all these centers all over the country, and they're very into, uh, you know, plant-based food, et cetera. So there, and, and the other place, I think a lot of it was being in a community with other people, and the people there were super supportive and nice um, and really trying to help. And seeing other people in a similar situation, you can you can relate to each other. I also at that center, there was uh, they keep you busy all day long. <laughs> They'd wake you up at five thirty in the morning, and you'd be exercising, and you'd be doing different activities, literally every half hour. Uh, there was one activity that they did every single day. I did not like it at all, but we did it every day. Was the thing called hydro, which is you know people are doing these ice baths. So uh, every day, twice a day, they'd say, okay, you've got to do hydro now, throw in your robe, go into a hot tub, hot tub for about 10 minutes, ice for two or three minutes, back and forth three times. And then you have to do that twice a day. Uh, and that was, that was rough. Um, but I think it was more uh, the conversations that I had with people, more the community, honestly, more than the therapist it was just that's that was uh that was the situation in in the first one and i was there for uh, 30 something days and then the next question is well why'd you go to another one so i think when you get out of those places you you can't just go home it's almost like you you break your arm right it's in a cast you can't just Take it off the next day. You put it into a you know a smaller cast, a sling, etc. But I just went home after that, and there's something called uh, that's almost called IOP. It's it's basically like day camp where you can go to therapy, but you can be at your house. But I wasn't doing that. So when I got home, unfortunately, I was still in a bad uh, place. So my wife uh, found another place in uh, in Hollywood, Florida. Said, okay, I. I I still wasn't right. So, so uh, I, I went down to that place. Now, this place was the exact opposite of the healthy eating, et cetera. Uh, it was a place when I got there, um, I got there and uh, I'm seeing meeting people from prison, homeless people, et cetera. People were asking me, what's your DOC, drug of choice? And I was feeling kind of out of place right there because I was like, I don't, I'm not doing any drugs, just my, my brain's not working well. And then especially there was one guy there, I tell the story, his, his name was Nick. Nick had tattoos from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He had been in prison for 14 years. He had been in solitary confinement for two years. I was scared, you know, 
shit, listen to Nick. Uh, but guess what? Nick became like my best buddy, right? Uh, super, super guy. Another guy. His name was Angel. Me and Angel go for walks, talking, etc. Who is Angel? He happens to be a homeless guy, right? And he's telling me, Sean, I could tell you how to steal, you know, sandwiches at Walgreens. They're not going to follow you. So I think that also just meeting people that I wouldn't necessarily meet and then being like, hey, we're all freaking human. It doesn't really matter. I mean, I'm, a, I'm you know, in finance and all that stuff, but the, but here you're the same as someone that, you know, was homeless or, or, or was in prison. This, 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 no, no difference really. Uh, so it was a lot of that very, kind of realization. Very leveling. Yeah. It sounds like it was a very leveling, uh, you know, effect in terms of changing your habits and your understanding of the human condition. Not that, you know, everybody's going to have that same experience, but certainly sounds like it was helpful for you. Yeah, the whole group came together like a, like a community. So, for example, uh, we'd have to cook for ourselves, and you'd have to go to Walmart. They'd give you 70 bucks, and you'd have to shop for the week. And then you'd go to Walmart with, like, 40 people, <laughs> uh, which was strange. And then, and then you'd go back, and people would be like, hey, I got chicken. Do you have any rice? And just, like, a, a, a community just evolved younger older black white green it really didn't matter just yeah, this it was kind of an interesting uh dynamic well i'll tell you what Matt, sean you have- um so much for yeah being open with uh with what your experiences uh were and i'm excited sure. to know how do you keep that level how cat was talking about it sounds very leveling and i, I think especially you know being uh better educated on emotional intelligence, on the importance of balance, on when we do mm-hmm. find ourselves in that rut, which we're all human, and like you're describing, sure. Sean, you know, we all bleed red. Um, and yeah. this little fun fact, our brains are all, I mean, they're, all, they're different. However, they're structured the same. Um, and yeah. the fact is, is that just, for example, like right now, trying to find small wins. I got a huge task ahead of me. And I can quickly find myself on having loss after loss after loss, working in an engine room, trying to detail it, getting it ready for sale. So I have to pull myself out every once in a while to get a win um, and go into the psychology. And once, just kind of like you, Sean, and, you know, being through a lot of uh, uh, supportive and uh, excellent uh, coaches, specialists that help us understand our brains better. You know, it's just, it's the five positives, right, to every negative. So if we continue down that road, like for me right now, you know, just head in the bilge, trying to get everything clean, it's just a never-ending job. Like I said, to break away and have, you know, find like two or three or four wins throughout the day, I'm mm-hmm. excited to see how do, you, how do you find your wins each day. Um, as I'm looking across the marina here and I'm seeing people walk or regular walkers, and to me that's one win. You know, at least you get that mm-hmm. walk in. You get that positive. Mm-hmm. You know, you're out there getting a little bit of exercise in, uh, breathing fresh air. But with all the negatives that can, um, you know, with all the 30,000 thoughts that we have um, to combat mm-hmm. that mental health, I'm, I'm excited to see what is your, uh, like, what is what are you finding to, to be able to win each day instead of getting stuck in the bilge of, uh, of life? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take a quick mm-hmm. break here. And, uh 
great conversation with uh, Sean Lesser and look forward to uh, the uh, right after the break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire. Educate. Impact. And transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Happy Super Bowl weekend. Uh, it's a Friday. And I hope everybody's wrapping up the work week and uh, getting excited for the weekend. Uh, we have a very interesting uh, special guest here, Sean Lesser, who's sharing us um, kind of a little bit of, uh, you know, left of bang and right of bang experiences. Um, and uh, before we went to the break, we were talking about, you know, what are some, you know, techniques and procedures or thought processes that he's learned, that you've learned, Sean, um, you know, throughout this these uh, experiences on how to stay left of bang. If you, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with the audience here. Sure. So a couple of things. Um, first, a bunch of daily habits. And there is no rocket science here. There's no new science. There's no new technology. Uh, there's no new whiz banger. Uh, like you were talking about, get into nature. Yeah, I go for a walk every day. Uh, and and, and uh, I'll we'll t- we do a thing within the within the, the foundation for walking with guys together, creative outlets, you know, 
I like to speak different languages. Someone likes to play guitar, do those different things. A big, a big thing is find your community. There's so much loneliness in the world. It's just helping to find other people, uh, serve others, right? It's really nice when you can help somebody else out for sure. Just not trying to get anything from them. Just be like, dude, I'm, I'm here to help you. Right. I, I've been there. I, I, I understand. I want to help. And then another thing that you, you all t- chatted about was um, chatting, uh, tap into gratitude because the world's so freaking crazy. Uh, all this madness is going on, but sometimes you got to stop and think about, you know, maybe three things that you're, that you're grateful for. And then I would say another a big thing, and those are daily tips, is I've always been a big goal setter. I was especially into uh, uh, Zig Ziglar in the day, and I'd have this planner book. And for 20 years, I'd always fill out the planner book, and here's my goals, here's my you know, what I'm going to do. And when I look back at the books, uh, yeah, I've accomplished a lot of it, but there was always, every year, there was one goal that I, I never really accomplished, and it was probably the biggest one and most important one, which was having a calm mind. So, you know, that's what my focus is now to keep my mind calm because it would just be a roller coaster. But that was a goal I could never get to. I think also just having the full mental breakdown and kind of a a balloon popping, uh, of course, it's horrible. uh, But on the other side, you kind of have to reset. So that was a that was important for me to be like, oh, what am I doing with my life? Wait a second. I got to get this thing back on track. So th- those are some uh, some things and some thoughts that I have on how to, you know, trying to get better. You know, you know all I these think, things uh, are just – yeah, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, so I just – I think it's very interesting. The, uh, the the word that you used earlier earlier in the conversation was the comparathon. And, yeah. you know, just being caught of how our brains do operate in the power of bad, you know, something that just pops up. I just seen a uh, advertisement for a condo in Miami for $29.9 million. And of course, what's my immediate right. thought? Like what am I doing wrong? That <laughs> somebody like throwing this out there, like uh, $29.9 million. Okay. Easy day. Like, what am I doing wrong? And it's so easy to get into that negative. Not necessarily that that's what I'm going to go after. But just those thoughts and the power of bad and how our brains operate is so critical to understand because otherwise we will get into those spirals, um, even though it sounds silly. But, you know, it's just a, that quick thought out of the 30,000 thoughts that you have throughout the day. It's like, oh, wait, what am I doing wrong that uh, I'm not just going out there to buy this $29.9 million condo in Miami, you know? All right, I'm going to tell you a little story then, okay, on that. So, uh I gave a talk called The Real Talk, kind of tell my story. And the first time I told my story uh, was this group. It was called Tiger 21. It's a lot of, you need to be super high net worth person to be there, right? And I, t- I told the story and every single, when I tell the story, every single person in that room raised their hand and they had their own story and their own struggle, right? So every single person, you know, you, I live in a nice neighborhood. You drive around and I see bigger houses. I'm like, oh, what's going on there? But I can guarantee you something's going on in every single one of these houses. But back to the story. So I gave the talk. And when after I was done with the talk, the guy who put it together, his name was uh, Ron Diamond. 
And Ron said to me, you know, this hit everyone is terrific. And he said, you know, there was a guy here that sound crazy, but he had an $800 million exit, right? He sold his company or whatever. He got 800 million bucks and he was miserable, right? You're like, well, cause it's nice to have money, but not necessarily, you know, it doesn't, it, there's more to life than that. And then here's the story too on that. So then after we gave that talk in Chicago, uh, there's two airports in Chicago, one O'Hare and one Midway. So I had flown into Midway. I figured I'm flying back out of Midway. So I went into an Uber, uh, driving back to uh, Midway, uh, the airport. Uh, and I was had my phone on speaker, and I was telling someone you know, my story. Uh, and then it was me and the Uber driver in the car. He was a 29-year-old African-American guy. And when I was done speaking, he said to me, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I was listening. And I said to him, dude, of course you're listening. <laughs> when he was in the car, the car's not that big. And he goes, you know, there's a reason why you're in my car. And I said to him, yo, what, what's going on? And he's like, I've been having uh, suicidal ideations, right? So I'm like, yeah, there's a reason why I was in your car. So we had, a, you know, amazing chat. Uh, we left the Uber, uh, you know, we hugged. It was, it was terrific. Uh, but it also goes to show you, one minute, I'm in a place, guy's telling me about an $800 million exit. Next minute, I'm in an Uber. The guy's telling me the same exact thing. So it doesn't discriminate, even with, you know, you have whatever you have, don't have whoever you are, it it doesn't discriminate uh, at all. But to tell you a little bit more about that story and the kind of the the weird thing was we got to Midway. I went to the, I went to the uh, TSA. I was trying to get in with my license. I tried once. I tried twice. I tried three times. And then the TSA agent is like, listen, I'm sorry. You're at the wrong airport. You're supposed to go to (laughs) O'Hare. But if I went to O'Hare, I would have never met that guy. I'm not very religious, but, you know, sometimes you, you just get placed in the right place, right? Because was, that was important for me and, and, uh, and that guy to meet. So, um, yeah, it's but it, it, it doesn't discriminate. Well, cool. we only have a, a couple minutes left in the show, and I, I want to really, first of all, applaud you for your you're bearing your soul here for, you know, our over. 16,000 on-demand users, and we want to thank our audience for that, and we want to thank you for that. Um, Just a couple of side notes before uh, Mm -hmm. we start winding down. The first thing is, anybody who's listening, as you can see, there is a variety of roads back from trauma. Um, In Sean's case, being open about it, asking for help, um, yeah, there's going to be some discomfort along the way. But, uh, you know, just for those of you who are wondering why an ice bath um, can be so uh, (laughs) uncomfortable in mental health uh, and in well-being, because I love to do that. Whenever Matthew and I go on a cruise, I go from the hot tub to the ice bath, from the hot tub to the ice bath. And what that does is it reduces stress and anxiety. It actually boosts your mood. Um, It is a, a, a way for the body to use a unique sensory experience to wake up the brain. And so it helps you actually identify uh, and be more connected to your body. So for those of you who are wondering why that can be so uh, uncomfortable, that's why. The other thing I wanted to share with everybody, and I'd love your opinion on this, Sean, is I really believe, just like people keep a gratitude journal because it releases oxytocin in the brain, which helps us overcome 
a lot of that stress mm-hmm. that we feel on a daily basis, and I love that you shared that. I like to tell people, especially um, people who are going through difficult times, to keep a distress relief journal. And one of mm-hmm. the things that I, I share with them is just a, a real quick exercise. I just want to share it with the audience. The first mm-hmm. thing is you write the date and time at the top of the page. You write down what just happened. And then the third bullet point is what did you think when it happened? Operative word think. Fourth question is what did you feel when it happened? Right? So now you have what did you think? Then what did you feel? And then mm-hmm. the next bullet, what does it make you want to do now? And then take a deep breath. And then the last bullet, what would be a better thing to do now? And why is that better? And you can obviously replay this recording (laughs) as many times as you want to get those bullets. But it's think and feel and breathe and what can you do better right now? And, you know, that goes to your point, right, about what you can do for somebody else, what you Mm -hmm. can do for yourself, and also the idea of healthier solutions, right? So I, I love your message. Uh, tell us, uh, what else you said you do walking within the foundation? I mean, obviously, you're a distributed organization. How do you all walk together? <laughs> so let me give you uh, 30 seconds on the foundation itself. So the foundation is really based on some things. Mental health is a big pie. Can't, can't eat the whole thing, but certain pieces have been helpful to me, right? So it's using the power of conversation and community to help folks get better, right? So it's around four C's. The first C is conversations. So I've been giving this talk, kind of gave you most of it, but giving this talk across the country, across the world. When you give the talk, other people feel like it's a safe place and they start talking. Um, And from that also, from the talks comes a second piece, which is part of what we do is we have as a community, right? So we we have an app, but this is not like an app technology thing. The app is for people to meet. And the app is for four things. One, want to give guys a safe place where they can talk about these things and not feel like they're judged. Two, I was talking a little bit about the guy, Brent, who was my mental health sponsor. Everybody needs help sometime. So it's where you can be a mental health sponsor or find a mental health sponsor. Three, when I was, I shouldn't have gone to the psych ward, right? Fine, I went. But, but when you're in that situation, you who, what, where? Who do you speak to? What do you do? Where the heck do you go? And it's a place where we're trying to build it where people like me or other people that have firsthand knowledge can guide someone to be like, no, you shouldn't go there. You need to go here, right? Uh, so, and then, and then the final thing is on the walking is uh, we have different events. So we do this thing called the Real Walk. We've done it uh, last three months here in Atlanta. Uh, and we're expanding it to, uh, to, to Boston and other cities. It's not complicated. So every Thursday at 7 a.m., uh, we walk around a park that's close to my house. It's about three miles. And the nice thing about that is, again, very divided country, world, this, that, the other thing. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat or whatever you are. You can go for a walk with somebody. <laughs> you might not agree with everything that they say, but it's nice to just go to for a walk and build some community, and it you know builds builds relationships. So that's that's what the uh, the foundation is is really uh, built on. 
It's the conversations so, in the community. Yeah, so give me the four C's. Conversations goes to community, goes to contributions, goes to change. I didn't go through them all. And the change is is kind of changing, helping people in two ways. The change is intangible, right? That's the conversations. That's the community. That's how the way our people are feeling. And on the other side with the contributions, what we're trying to do is map out the mental health ecosystem in terms of companies and 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 treatments and different things like that side and then map out also what 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 our investors are doing. So that's the intangible side. So try to help mental health on the tangible side, again the hearts, the minds, and then the intangible help to build out the mental health ecosystem because yeah, there's there's even if <laughs> I there was one other treatment center I wanted to go to. He was here in Atlanta. Well, and and they, you know what, oh, we're go gonna we're gonna have to close. So I, I hate to okay. cut you off. Go ahead, no, and go ahead. If, if you want to close that. Okay. So what I wanted to do for everybody is make sure they have your foundation. Um, give that sure. out one more time. I just go to the, the real.care, the website, okay. the real.care. And then, again, uh, anybody wants to uh, reach out to Sean Lesser, please do. I encourage you to. Conversation, community, contributions, and change. Matthew, any final words? No, I, I think that's beautiful, and uh, thank you so much, Sean, for being on the show and sharing it with the audience and us, and I've learned something new, and, you know, finding that sense of purpose through the four C's, I love it. All right, thanks, Sean, guys. Sean, we wish you all the best. Okay, take care, okay. everybody. Until next See y'all. week. Bye. Love Bye-bye. you all. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Kat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless. Fearless.